Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. We're going to talk about selfishness tonight. Hallelujah, isn't that exciting? How many people want to live free of selfishness? I tell you, the best thing to get, the greatest thing to get free of, you know, people talk about getting free of drugs, getting free of alcohol, getting free of this, getting free of that, getting free of your wife. I mean, I didn't mean that, no. <laughs> getting free of this. No, the greatest thing to get free of is getting free of me. Getting free of me is the ultimate liberty. When you get free of yourself. Because selfishness is at the root of all the problems in life. Selfishness is at the root of all the problems in life. Because selfishness is all about self. It's all about being self-absorbed into yourself. Loving yourself. Just wanting to please yourself. Gratify your flesh. Gratify yourself. And how many people know that is the culture of this world? That's, that's, that's the world's culture. It doesn't matter what nation you, know, you go to. We all got the same culture when it comes to selfishness. Selfishness. Selfishness is how people live in this world. But even though you and I are in this world, we're not of this world. So we don't live according to the culture of this world. We live according to the culture of heaven. And heaven is not, it's not all about self in heaven. It's all about the Lord. It's all about God. And the Bible says God is love. He is love. And it's not a love for self as much as it is a love for others. A love for others. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. What sent Jesus to the cross? It was love. God esteemed you and I more than he esteemed himself. God loved you and I more than he loved himself. That's why he laid his life down to purchase us back, to redeem us. To redeem means to to, to buy back. So he laid his life down in order to, to buy us back, in order to redeem you and I, showing that God actually esteemed us more than himself. And that love of God by the person of the Holy Spirit has been poured out into our hearts. We have this great love on the inside of us. And if we'll walk in this love, we'll walk in the power of God. We'll walk in God's ability. We'll walk in God's strength because God is love. So we want to yield to this love that's been poured out into our hearts. And again, this is the culture of heaven. Heaven is a place of love. It's not a place of selfishness like you and I have been trained to walk in here in this world. Selfishness leads to all the problems that people are experiencing in life. A love for self. Seeking to gratify self. Esteeming yourself above others is actually what puts people in last place in life. 
It's what puts them in last place. But when you esteem others and you lift other people up and you exalt other people and it's about helping others. When it's about helping others, then you reap what you sow. When you give to others, it's given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It comes back to you. When you live for yourself, when you're a selfish person, you draw selfish people to yourself. And the more selfishness you sow, the more selfishness you reap from others. So we want to sow love. We want to be givers. We want to be like the Lord. And we can because his love has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Notice here in 1 John chapter 2. Like I said, selfishness is the culture of this world. It's the culture of this world. And 1 John 2 states that here in verse 15. It says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it But he who does the will of God abides forever. So here it mentions the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lust and pride. These things are embodied in this word selfishness. This is what, this is selfishness. This is what, when it's talking about lust and pride, it's talking about selfishness, thinking about yourself, lust, just getting what you want, just, just about what you want, just, just wanting to gratify your flesh, just please yourself. And that pride of life is exalting yourself above other people, esteeming yourself above others. And, and the thing to understand is that as long as you're in this world, you will have to contend with selfishness. Selfishness is as much a part of your life as is the world. As is the world. How many people live in the world? Yeah, we, we live in the world. The world's all around us. Well, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, or we could say selfishness, is just as much a part of the world as the world, because that's what the world is full of. So you and I are in a selfish world. So as long as we're here, selfishness is not going away from your life. As long as you're in this world, selfishness is not going away. So you'll never get to the place where you get to a place spiritually where there's just no more selfishness. You don't experience selfishness anymore. Well, the only way that's going to happen is you've got to be taken out of the world. Because... That is the world. The world is selfish. So it's not going away. And that's actually good to know. Because you're going to be tempted and you're going to deal with selfishness on a regular basis. And that doesn't mean something's wrong with you. It just means you're in the world. 
So, you know, a lot of people think, well, why am I thinking like this? You know, why, why am I being tempted like this? Why, why am I having these selfish feelings, these, these selfish desires? Why, why, why? Because you're in the world. That's normal for a human, even a Christian. That's normal. It's not going away. But thank God we can do something about it. We can't get rid of it, but we can control it. We can control it. We've got this thing called self-control. Self-control. We can control self. You can't, get, you can't get rid of self. You can't get rid of selfishness. As long as you have your own desires, you will deal with selfishness. Because remember, over in James chapter 1, James the first chapter... He says in verse 12, Blessed is the man who never experiences temptation. Oh, I'm sorry. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. Endures temptation, see? In other words, he doesn't cave in under temptation. He doesn't give in to it. Doesn't say he doesn't deal with it. Doesn't say he's not tempted by it. No, you're going, to, you're going to be tempted by temptations. Temptations are going to come. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he'll receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now, who are those who love him? Well, it's right here in the same verse. Those who endure temptation. Why, why do we endure temptation? Why do we resist? Why do we, why do we stand against it? Why do we not give in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life? Why don't we give in to it? Because we love him. Because we love, love the Lord more than ourselves. We're more interested in pleasing him and honoring him and bringing glory to him than we are pleasing ourselves, wanting to honor ourselves, wanting to exalt ourselves. Amen? See? That's why he says, the man who endures temptation, and it goes right into that that person will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who Love them. So when you love them and you resist temptation, praise God, you're earning a nice crown for all eternity. But what is, what, is a, what is a crown used for? That's used for rulers. See? Those that resist temptation will rule and reign with him throughout all eternity. Now, it would be nice just getting to heaven to be a nice gold dust sweeper. You know, I wouldn't mind that. And then just getting to heaven. Thank God. We could be a gold dust sweeper. It sure beats going to hell. Don't you think? Sure beats going to hell. Thank God. I mean, we'll take anything. We'll take out the, the golden trash. You know, we'll, we'll, do, we'll do any of those things. That's all great and wonderful. Just being in heaven. Praise God. But we don't want to just get to heaven if we can have more than that. See, if we can have a place that's closer to the master, if we can have a ruling place, see, then we want that. I got news for you. It isn't like communism in heaven. 
It's not socialism in heaven. Everybody doesn't get the same color robe. Yeah, everybody's got a white robe. That's the undergarments. There's all kinds of colored garments. It talks about it over in the book of Revelation, which says, it says these, the, the linen garments, they are the righteous acts of the saints. So you got, you know, you're going to be wearing all kinds of colorful garments and you're going to be wearing things that represented the kind of life you lived on earth. How you lived your life on earth. And then there's going to be folks walking around with crowns on. I mean, they're going to be rulers. They're going to be held in high esteem. And everybody's held in high esteem in heaven. But again, again, it's not socialism. Not everybody's on the same social plane. You can go to a higher plane. You can go to a higher level in heaven. You can go, into a, you can go to a higher level of revelation and understanding of God. You can come to a higher place. You can increase while you're in heaven. Increase in wisdom and understanding. You can, just like down here. You can increase. You can, you can grow in every area of life. That's how it'll be throughout all eternity. But I'm telling you, you can't grow as fast and as great as you can in heaven as you can down here. Because down here, we don't see the Lord. We have to walk by faith and not by sight. See, and that takes a whole lot more than it takes for those in heaven. So there's certain things you won't even be able to develop very well in heaven because you won't have the same opportunities as you do right now on earth. That's why the Bible says rejoice in trials and tests. Rejoice in these things. I mean, think about it. Angels have been around for, I don't know how long. I mean, angels have been around a long time. Long, 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 long time. We'll just say eons. I'm not sure exactly what an eon is. But they've been around a long, long, whole lot longer than us humans. And yet, we will rule over them. We will, the Bible says we will judge angels. Think about that. Angels will come to us for judgment. How can that be? They've been around so much. They've got so much more experience. They never went through the kind of trials and tests you and I have gone through on earth. They've always, they always see the face of our Father in heaven. Jesus said. They always see His face. They're always standing in the glory of God. You and I are standing in darkness. We are standing in complete darkness in a selfish, wicked, vile world. And yet here we are loving him. Here we are honoring him. Here we are esteeming him above ourselves. And we've never even seen him. Come on, somebody. This takes great faith. And you and I are walking in it. And every time we resist the devil, every time we resist temptation, every time we lay our life down for the Lord by laying our life down for others and preferring others above ourselves, man, you and I are growing spiritually. You and I are getting stronger. You and I are exercising our spiritual muscle in a way that in heaven they could never do that. They can never develop like you and I develop. That's why when we're done here and we step over, we'll be in a higher rank than the angels. And they'll come to us for judgment. So take advantage of every putrid opportunity you get to go through in life rather than whine and complain about it and miss your opportunity to grow. Miss your opportunity to develop. Man, that changes our perspective, huh? That'll change the way you live your life. You'll go through stuff. You get smacked around, you smile. 
That's why they rejoiced when they were beaten, thrown in prison in the book of Acts, right? The apostles in the early church, beaten, tortured. They laid their lives down. I mean, think about what they did. All that they suffered for the Lord's sake. And yet they did it joyfully. They did it with smiles on the thanking God, praising God. A lot of these folks just praised their way all the way to their deaths, their gruesome deaths. But when they stepped out of their, when they stepped out of their body, huh? They were powerful, mighty spiritual beings. That's what God's developing in you and I right now. He's making powerful rulers. Not everybody's going to be a ruler because there are some Christians that are just given into the flesh, just yielding to temptation, just being fleshy and carnal, and they're missing a great opportunity to grow. But you and I are called to get this crown. Hallelujah. We walk around with this crown. Everybody goes, that's that one. He lived his life on earth loving the Lord. He loved his, she loved her life more than their own life while they were on earth. And they'll know it just by looking at you, just by the clothes you're wearing, just by the crown on your head. And you'll carry weight. You'll carry authority in heaven. Amen. I mean, that's what he's talking about here. So get excited about resisting the devil. Get excited about enduring temptation. It's proving your genuine love for the Lord. A lot of folks say, I love, I love God. Everybody loves God. Everybody loves the Lord. Oh, I love the Lord. The Lord's with my whole life. People say, you know. Oh, what's with my whole life? Well, I know that. I mean, I mean he's, he's been pursuing you. Your whole life. That, that didn't tell me anything about you. That just tells me the Lord. You know, he's good. He loves you. He's merciful. He's patient. But what, he, what have you done for him lately? What have you done for him lately? In fact, I'm thinking of a very self-centered song right now. What have you done for me lately? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You younger people don't need to go looking it up and figure it out. What's the pastor talking about? It sounds like a cool song now. What have you done for the Lord? Hallelujah. We're about, we're about his business. We're about pleasing him, serving him. So every day of our life, we, 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 we live to please him. Say this. Say, I live, I live. To, please the Lord. to please the Lord. That's the purpose of my life. It's not to please myself. It's to please him. I'm here to please him. Hallelujah. In everything I say and in everything I do. We've got to remind ourselves of that all the time. That's why we're here. We're here to please him. But notice in verse 14, again, if we didn't get to verse 14, it says, verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. So we got that straight. Temptations, evil temptations, they don't come from God. God's not testing you with evil things. Verse 14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So he tells you that people are tempted when they're drawn away by their, what? Own desires. This is talking about selfish 
desires. Do you have your own desires? We all have our own desires. You know, Jesus, when he walked the earth, he had his own desires. He had his own desires. That's why in the garden, when he was praying right before going to the cross, he said, he said Father, not my will, but your will be done. Which tells you, Jesus had a separate will for his life than what the Father had for his life. The Father had the cross for Jesus. But Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He didn't have the same will. If he had the same will, he never would have said, not my will, but yours. He made a distinction between his will, his desire, his wants, and what the Father wanted. What what were the Father's desires? What was the Father's will? Isn't that amazing? I mean, Jesus was 100% human. When, when God became man in the person of Jesus, he was 100% human. He was just like you and I, tempted at all points, yet without sin. God can't be tempted by evil, right? Isn't that what we just read? God can't be tempted by evil. He doesn't tempt people, and he's not tempted. Jesus, who is God come in the flesh, was tempted. See, because he became Like you and I. He wasn't functioning as God in the earth. He was functioning like you and I. So he had his own will. Guess what? You got your own will. You got your own desires. You got your own wants. And not all of it probably lines up to what God wants. But that's okay. Because it was the same way for Jesus. It was the exact same way for Jesus. But Jesus did something with his desires. He surrendered them to the Father. And he put the Father's will above his own. He was tempted to do his own thing. But he put what the Father wanted above what he wanted. Him wanting to do differently than the Father was not sin. It wasn't wrong for him to want to do differently than what the Father wanted him to do. It would have been sin if he went with what he wanted above what the Father wanted. Then he would have gotten himself in trouble. See, then he would have brought himself out from under the grace of God, gotten over here in the flesh and come under the power of this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and thus come under the power of the rulers of this world, which is Satan and his demonic hosts. He would have come under Satan's authority and Satan would have been able to wreak havoc in his life. But Jesus kept himself, he kept what he wanted and his will subject to what the Father wanted for his life. He exercised control over his desires. He exercised control over his will. You have a will. You have desires. You have wants. That's okay. That's okay. Just make sure that God's will is what your will is subject to. That you're putting him first. And you're not being controlled by your desires. That's the, you can have your own desires. Just don't be controlled by them. So desires aren't a problem. It's just... 
out-of-control desires or desires, we could say, that are controlling you rather than you controlling the desires. That's when it becomes a problem. Did you get that? So it's important to know that. Desires are not a problem. Desires are not a problem. Uh, wanting things, the things of this world. Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. He wanted to live. Jesus, Jesus probably would have, would have enjoyed maybe, you know, I don't know, going back to the Sea of Galilee or something, go fishing. Rather, rather than go to the cross, don't you think? Was well, there anything wrong with wanting to go to the Sea of Galilee and go fishing? No, unless you're supposed to be at the cross. See, then it becomes a problem. That isn't a problem unless you're supposed to be somewhere else, unless you're supposed to be doing something else. Then it becomes a problem. So there's a lot of desires you have. A lot of people think, you know, that their desires themselves are sin because it just seems so fleshy. It seems so earthly. You're an earth creature. You live in an earth suit. You live in the earth. And God put you here. So having earthly desires is not a problem. It's not a problem. It's just not having control of them. And allowing your desires to take first place above or in front of God's desires for your life. God's desire isn't always the cross. That's not God's desire. It's not always go to the cross, suffer, work. Lay your life down. No, 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 no. Uh, that, God gave you this, this life in this world. And you have earthly desires. And earthly desires are not a bad thing. So having a desire to go somewhere nice and do something nice is nice. It's only if God says, that's not what I want you to do right now. I want you to do this. But if God's not telling you he wants you to do this and you decide to do that, then that's not a problem. God will lead you to do nice things. Or God will say it this way. God will, he'll lead you to do it. He'll surely let you do it. He'll let you do nice things. He'll let you do things that you desire to do. It's not all about just what God desires. God wants to give you the desires of your heart. He desires for you to do the things that you desire. So long as you control those desires. So if those desires, you all follow me? So if those desires, you know, are controlled and God can lead you however he wants, that's all that matters to him. That you are subject to him. You're yielding to him. But if there's things you desire to have, things you desire to do, that's okay with God. That's a good thing. God wants God gave God gave you desires. He doesn't want you He just doesn't want you to put those desires above him. All right? So we can't be afraid of desires. Now here again verse 14, he says let each but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed uh, that word, those words drawn away mean in the uh, Greek language, the original language here, to draw out, to draw out, lure, as in hunting and fishing. 
So, you know, you, you go, let's say fishing, you go out fishing and you put that bait on your hook and you're out there and you get this lure. And what are you trying to do? You're trying to draw that catfish. You're trying, to, you're trying to draw whatever that fish is that you want. You're trying to draw that thing out of its little hiding place and you're trying to draw it to your hook. Right? You're trying to draw it out. So that's what he's saying. Each one's drawn away. In other words, there's something. There's something that's trying to pull you out of your hiding place. Try to pull you out, out of that secret place of the Most High. Like Psalm 91. The secret place of the Most High. There's things in this world that try to draw you out. Draw you out. Draw you out from wanting to please the Lord. Draw you away from being subject to Him. Draw you away to do your own thing. Do your own pleasure. Try to gratify yourself. To draw out, to lure. Allured from the safety of self-restraint to sin. It's actually the definition when I looked it up. Allured from the safety of self-restraint to sin. To draw you away from restraining yourself. To draw you away from controlling yourself. And each one is tempted when he's drawn away by what? His own desires. So in other words, he's letting his desires have its way over the will of God for his life. He's allowing his, his desires to dominate, draw him away from what he knows pleases God. Each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed, enticed. Over in Matthew 18, verse 7, Jesus said, Woe to the world because of offenses. I looked up that word offenses, and uh, it means enticements to sin. There are some other translations that actually say it that way. Enticements to sin. Woe to the world because of enticements to sin. Again, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, selfishness. He says... Woe to the world because of enticements to sin. For enticements to sin, offenses, must come. But woe to the man by whom the offenses come. So these enticements must come. As long as you're in the world, there's going to be enticements. That's just what's what's going to happen in the world. There's going to be things tempting you. There's going to be things luring you, trying to draw you away from the Lord. But then he says, but woe to that man by whom the offenses come. In other words, don't be one of the ones that are uh, adding to the problem. The world is full of enticements. Don't be a person that entices people in the wrong direction. Don't be someone that entices a person into sin. The Bible says, woe to that person. It's talking about, when it's talking about woe there, it's talking about judgment. talking about judgments. So somebody says, God has given me control over self. Now we see that in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and in verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit, we could say, of being 
born again, made alive spiritually and connected to the Holy Spirit. Are you connected to the Holy Spirit? Well, the fruit of that, the fruit of just like a branch that's connected to the vine. You and I are connected to the love and life of God. We're connected to the Holy Spirit. The fruit of that connection is love. That's what's going to come out of your life. Love, which is the opposite of selfishness. Joy, peace, long-suffering, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Notice these nine fruits of the Spirit. The ninth one mentioned here is self-control. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Because you are connected to the Holy Spirit and are spiritually alive, you have self-control. What is that? You have control over yourself. You have control over selfishness. Selfishness does not have to dominate you. Now, this upsets a lot of people. Because there's a lot of people in the church world that like to say we're just old sinners saved by grace. God understands. We're just selfish. That's just what we are. Sin is what we do. I mean, you know, you just can't get around it. You know, and God understands. And that's why there's grace. And they think grace is mercy. And they, well, that's why there's grace. It's so that, you know, we can just, we can just you know, live a self-centered life and, and just say, Lord, we're sorry that we're self-centered individuals, but you know how we are, God. We're just old sinners. We're just old selfish people. Nothing we can do about it until we get to heaven. And so we just thank you, Lord, Lord, that you accept us into heaven as a bunch of selfish individuals. We're just grateful. We're grateful for your mercy that you allow us to come to you so selfishly while we live for ourselves here on earth. But then, see, someone comes along like me and tells folks, no, 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 you have self-control. You have control over yourself. A lot of folks don't want to hear that. They want to hear, they have control. They want to hear, no, we don't have control over ourselves. And so we have to do what we do. And we have to give into the flesh. And we have to live for ourselves. And God understands that. No, he doesn't. God don't understand that. Because God says, no, 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 no. You are spiritually alive. And you are connected to the Holy Spirit. And so therefore you got this fruit. And it's called self-control. You have the ability to control yourself. Well, if he gave you the ability to control yourself, then he would quite obviously expect you to use it. Right? He would expect you to exercise self-control. And friend, you want to. I mean, it is real ignorant to, to want to be a victim of things. It's real ignorant to just, you know, want to be a slave to sin and, and have addictions that you just can't, you just can't, you know, you just can't let go of. You just got to do this. You just got to do that. You just can't help yourself. You know, I just got to. That's, that's a, a victim mentality, and you don't want that. You want to live victorious. You want to have total control over yourself. Over, over every part of your life where nothing's dominating you because you know the end of selfishness is death. There's nothing good at the end of selfishness. But when we walk in self-control, we reap life. Amen. We reap good things. Praise God. 
So when you got born again and you received the Holy Spirit, praise God, you've got control over yourself. Hallelujah. Amen. You got it. Praise God. You're dismissed. God bless you. Have a great night. I mean, you got it. Somebody say, I got self-control. Now, that's what the Bible says. You have this. This isn't something you have to try to get. This isn't something that you have to try to, 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 you know, produce in your life of yourself. No, no, no. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. He produces this in your life. It's the Spirit of God that gives you the power to do as Jesus did and resist your will over his will. You can resist that. And you can say, no, 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 not my will, your will be done. And like the psalmist, you can say, I delight to do thy will, O God. Hallelujah. I delight to do the will of God. If there's no other way, if this is the way it has to go, if this is the way you want me to go, Lord, praise God. I delight doing your will because just knowing I'm pleasing you. Just knowing I'm going the way you want me to go. Man, that gives me joy. That just thrills my heart. Knowing that I'm pleasing God. Because that's what it's all about. It's all about pleasing Him. It's all about pleasing Him. So again, say it. Say, I have self-control. Hallelujah. The Spirit gives us power over every selfish desire. All the selfish desires of our body. Romans 8 talks about this. Romans 8. It says, Therefore, brethren... We are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. What do you mean debtors? That means you don't owe the flesh anything. He's say, he say, basically saying, you, you, you don't owe the flesh anything. You owe the flesh nothing. He says, we are not debtors to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, in other words, your fleshly desires govern you. Your fleshly desires make the decisions for you. He says, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Notice that. If by the Spirit, not by your own strength, not by your own might, not by your own ability, not your own willpower... I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm just struggling, and I'm trying, yeah, and it's only going to get harder for you, too, because you're trying. In other words, you're doing this in your own strength. You're looking to your own ability, have a strong will to resist giving in to sin, giving in to temptation. You know, strong will is nice, but the power of God's a whole whole lot better. The power of God that comes through the person of the Holy Spirit. If by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you do it. You do it. God's not going to do it for you. God's not going to do it for you. You got to do it. You got to put to deed the death. You got to put to de- you got to put to death the deeds of the body. You got to do that. But you don't do it in your own strength, in your own ability. You do it by the Spirit. By the Spirit of God who is in you. Praise God. So by the Spirit of God, we can do this. 
We can do this. We can take total control of self. How many people know the flesh is no problem for the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, you know, the things of this world, how many people know the Holy Spirit doesn't get overwhelmed by the things of this world? I mean, the Holy Spirit is never going to look and go, oh, no. Man, I, couldn't it be a little easier? Right? And he's all-powerful. He's the Almighty. He has unlimited power to be able to deal with anything that would try to come against us in this world. So it's not a problem for him. Well, if it's not a problem for him, it's not a problem for you. It's not a problem for you because you are doing what you do by him. Through him. That's why he goes on in verse 14 and says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. You and I are led by him. We are leaning on him, looking to his strength, his ability. We're not looking to ourselves. We're not trusted in ourselves. We're looking to him. Praise God. And, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Say it with me. Say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit living in us, if we'll yield to him, will weaponize our body parts to fight the deeds of selfishness to the death. We'll fight the deeds of selfishness to the death. He will weaponize every part of your body. And he says that over here in Romans, the sixth chapter. Go back to the sixth chapter, Romans 6, and in verse 13, it says, And do not present your members or yield your members as instruments of righteousness. Now, in my Bible, it shows that in my margin, Instruments can also be translated weapons. Who, ha- who has that in their Bible? A couple of you do. So it can be translated this way. Do not present your members as weapons of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members, your body parts, as weapons of righteousness to God. So you can present your members as weapons of mass destruction to God against all temptation, all fleshly, earthly desires that try to control your life. Praise God. The Spirit of God, in other words, will anoint you, will empower you to destroy sin in your flesh. So it cannot dominate you. It will beat it to death. It just beat it to death. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit in your life will do. Can you say amen? amen? Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, he said, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Notice that statement. I discipline my body. So he was separating himself from his body. He was not his body. You are not your body. Your body is not you. 
your earthly desires. That's not you. You're a spirit being, and you have a body. And the body's a good thing. Just like your earthly desires, they aren't necessarily a bad thing. It's only when it's out of control it's a bad thing. Your body's not a bad thing. You know, some people talk like their body's just a bad thing. You know, these, this wicked flesh, this wicked body. You know, we get rid of these bodies. When we get, listen, your body is not a problem. It was created by God. It's only a problem when it controls you and puts itself, is able to put itself above God, which is your fault. You can control your body. You can control all the desires of your body. And that's why he says, I discipline my body. He didn't say, I discipline myself. He said, I discipline my body, showing there's a distinction between me and my body. In the same way, you'd say, I discipline my dog not to wet in the house. It's still kind of a challenge for us, but it's another story. I discipline my dog not to wet in the house. You know, I mean, you're not, you're not, you don't think you're that dog, do you? I mean, if the dog wet in the house, you don't sit there and go, oh, man, I can't believe I did that. Man, I just can't believe I keep doing that. Man, this is disgusting. And you just get all upset with yourself. Then you get upset with the dog. Now, be nice, but you got to discipline the thing. You got to discipline the dog, right? That's what you got to do with your body. I said, that's what you got to do with your, with your body, with your earthly desires. You have to discipline it because it don't know any better. It'll, it'll act like that dog. It just want to run off, do its own thing, and just carry on, do all kinds of crazy things. And sometimes it's okay. Sometimes, you know, a lot of people let their, their dogs walk them. Right? I mean, a lot of times you see people being walked by their dogs. And, you know, that's okay. I mean, they're having a good time. Everything's great. But, you know, you've got to be able to restrain that animal, control that dog. And so, you know, sometimes you're, you know, you're going along and, uh, you know, the dog's walking you. But then, you know, you want to go left, the dog wants to go right, and you bring the dog into subjection. Right? You don't just sit there and go, oh, stop it. And you just let the dog just drag you all over town. Do you? But you've got to be able to control the dog. Right? Same way. You've got to control your body. It's got its own desires. It's a nice body. You groom it, right? You groom your body. You take care of it. You take care of it. Cut its nails. Do all those things. Take clothe it nice. You feed it. You feed it and everything else. But if the thing starts begging at the table, you know, some of you might allow that, but you need to discipline that dog, right? Well, your flesh says, I want more. I want more. And it's getting to the point of a little gluttony and a little out of control. I remember, you know, years, this is a long, long time ago, but years ago, I used to like a nice bowl of ice cream before going to bed at night, you know. And, uh, you know, it just kind of became a, like a, a little ritual. You know, you'd go in there and you'd some scoops of ice cream. And I'd always, make, I'd always like to make a banana split. You know, so I'd put a banana and I'd put the ice cream on top of it and I'd get the Hershey syrup out. You know, it was really nice. And uh, can't do that anymore, you know, without, without it showing up immediately. But, 
there was a time I could get away with it. And I just, I just remember one time, Jean came walking in, and she looked down, and she said, I can't believe you're eating all that ice cream. I said, it's on a banana. <laughs> somehow, that, somehow that made it better. But I remember one time we went to New York. Now, I hadn't been to New York in a while, you know. I, I, was, I was born and raised in New York. Loved the seafood. And so, you know, we were talking about going to New York, and I was just so excited about, you know, going back to New York and getting some of that nice seafood. And there's this one particular place, you know, they've got great seafood. And I was like, I'm going to get me some lobster. And all my brother's talking about it. We're just seafood, seafood. We're just talking about seafood. We're just, your flesh is almost like getting, like, in, in a frenzy. We're going to have seafood. I didn't realize I was getting into a frenzy until I got there, and the seafood was put in front of me. And I went and I said, I'm going to have a lobster and I'm going to have this. So I had it in front of me and, and, and they give you a bib, you know, thank God. They give you a little bib when you have lobster, you know, because when you crack it with the, the uh, crackers, you know, the juice goes everywhere. So, and I just remember, you know, this is it. This is what we've been talking about. Wait, I sat down and cracking it and I'm just eating this. I'm eating this thing, you know. And, and all of a sudden I realized, you know, halfway through it, I mean, fingernails, everything has got fish. There's just fish everywhere, you know. And then I look down at this thing. It's like the cockroach of the sea. And I don't know what happened, but it was like all of a sudden I came to myself in the middle. It was like the Holy Spirit just went, will you look at yourself? What have you become? And also I just, I just came to my senses and I realized this thing's controlling me. This lobster is controlling me. I said, Lord, I repent. I pushed it away. I said, that's never going to happen again. I mean, I got mad about it. I got mad that I had allowed that thing to have power over me like that. Just like I shared, you know, after I was newly saved with the television. You know, I was in the habit. I'd come home, and I would pick up the remote control, and i walk in the door. You know, you turn on the light and the remote control at the same time, you know. <laughs> Just you hit them both at the same time. And you turn that thing on, and then I would go in. I'd sit, you know, start making dinner for myself. And, and, and you know, while I'm making dinner, I'm looking out there watching, watching whatever's on the TV. And then I'd go in. I'd just say, well, I'm just going to sit down just for a little bit, and I'm just going to watch it a little bit just while I'm eating my dinner. And then I'm going to, you know, I'm newly saved. So, I, you know, there's this, there's this program that I like to listen to on the radio. It's the Bible something, Bible something show. And so I thought, I'm going to listen to that. So I'd sit down, and next thing you know, the whole night goes by. Just the, next thing you know, the whole night is gone. And it's like 11 o'clock, so I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just drained. I thought, I can't believe this. I just messed up my whole night. It's like I got stuck in the chair. Have you ever gotten stuck in the chair? You know, you didn't plan on it, but you got stuck in the chair. And uh, so I thought, I'm not going to let that happen tomorrow night. Well, the next night I came and said, I'm just going to turn the TV on while I'm making dinner. Just going to watch TV while I'm eating the dinner. And next day I'm stuck. I don't get up from the chair. You're like a zombie. That happened night after night after night. All of a sudden, finally, one night I got so mad at myself. I looked at the TV. I said, you have power, and you're not going to control me. And I got up, and I said, I'm not going to watch you for a week. I was mad, and I pulled the plug out of the wall. Sometimes that's what you got to do. You got to get mad at the flesh. When it's dominating you and controlling you, you got to put it back in its place. So I unplugged the thing. I said, I'm not going to watch you for a week. It wasn't like God said, thou shalt never watch TV. It wasn't anything like that. 
People, Christians shouldn't be watching TV. It wasn't it. No, I'm not going to be controlled by it. I'm not going to be controlled by anything. So I unplugged it. So I remember the next night I came in, just out of habit. You know, I'd go pick up the remote control, and I, I hit the remote control, just not even thinking. It's like it was just a habit of the flesh. I hit it, and it didn't turn on. I, I looked over, and the plug was out, and I remembered. I unplugged the TV. I said, that's right. Praise God. I had a great night that night. Man, I got in the Word. I got to do what I wanted to do, what was in my heart to do. And the next night, I did the same thing. By the time that week was over, I said, I'm not going to watch you for another week. And I got control over that TV. Same thing ended up happening for the radio. You know, sometimes you just got to take drastic measures. That's where fasting comes in. You just shut the thing down. Something that's controlling your life. Sometimes you just have to go into a fast and say, we're not going to have that. We're not going to do that. And you can say, I'm not going to do that for a week or whatever it might be. But you do it until you have regained control over that thing. Don't let anything dominate you. Don't let anything control you. Things are not evil of themselves. It's when things control you. It's when you're dominated by your own desires. That will mess you up from being able to follow God's plan for your life. We want to fulfill the plan of God for our life. We do not want to be dominated by selfishness. We want to walk in the love of God. We want to fulfill His divine purpose for our life by being led by the Spirit of God. Can you say amen? Amen. Praise God. Somebody say, thank God for self-control. I mean, you understand, Jesus didn't just come to take away your sins. He came to give you control over it. That's the awesome thing. He didn't just come and uh, said, well, now, you know, I'm going to forgive you of your sin. I'm going to clean your slate. I'm going to write your name in heaven. Now, you're still going to be the same old, same old. But just know that now that you believe on me, you'll come to heaven. That is not Christianity. I said, that is not Christianity. No, no, no. Jesus didn't just come to take away our sin. He came to take away our sinfulness. He came to take away selfishness so that we're not controlled by it anymore. Now, there's selfishness in the world, but he came to take away being controlled by self, and that's selfishness. He came to take away being controlled by selfish desires. Isn't that good news? Praise God forever. We can live a life free of selfishness. And just love people. Just care about people. Help others. Esteem others. We don't have to exalt ourselves. We don't have to try to defend ourselves. He's our defense. The Holy Spirit, He defends us. He protects us. He helps us. Can you say amen? amen? Praise God. Come on, let's stand on our feet. Let's thank the Lord tonight for helping us with this word. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.